I'm not sure how anybody's going to get anywhere unless they're totally curious and fascinated by their area. Now, I guess then it's, well, how do you monetize that? Well, for me, it was about finding that area, that niche, where the fascination and the expertise could be applied to an area in the world that had money. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. I'm that other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, do we have an exciting episode lined up for you today. Our guest today is a personal friend of mine, but also a man I consider to be a mentor. He is one of the world's top experts on communication and body language. In fact, he wrote the seminal book on body language for business people called Winning Body Language. He also wrote another couple of books in that genre, one of which was called Winning Body Language for Sales Professionals written with another very good friend of mine by the name of Andrew Ford. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legend himself, Mark Bowden. Mark, welcome to the show. Oh, Nikki, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's great to be back with you. And Michael, great to uh, meet you. Absolutely. Mark, I've, I've seen you present and I've, I've met you very briefly, probably not memorable enough, but uh, I've admired you from afar, the work you're doing and your expertise. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Oh, it's great to be here. Great to be here with both of you. Awesome. Mark, the title of this podcast is The Business of Thought Leadership. Our listener is an entrepreneur. He or she may be a coach maybe a consultant, maybe someone who owns a business with employees. What they're interested in from you as our expert is they want to know how you've taken your expertise and turned it into commercial success. But as part of that, they also want to know your personal story. They want to know who you are and how you got to be where you're at today. So could you begin by sharing your personal story with our folks? Yeah, sure. So when I think back, uh, a long way back, as, as a kid, I was fascinated with uh, animal behavior, actually specifically marine biology. I used to love getting in the sea and in rock pools in my uh, native England and fishing around for crabs and starfish and just kind of wondering how those things and why those things act and move in the way they do. And I got a little bit older and I started to wonder the same kind of thing about human beings, about people, of course, uh, one of which I am. And started to think, you know, why? Why did we do that? Why did that person do that? Why, why did they say that? Why did they move like that? So I got fascinated with, with, with that area and then actually went into the area of what I would call um, animation, which is uh, the, the performing arts area and visual theatre area and film area of how you make things that aren't actually real and human look like they're real and human, look like they have feelings and emotions 
and you know how do you get a sock puppet and and make it make an audience fall in love with it and i got fascinated with that area and from that movement and movement psychology and the area of body language which for me body language is about for me influence and persuasion how you might be able to tell the story you really want to tell to an audience and motivate them and change their thoughts and feelings around a certain subject but actually by using the storytelling of your body influencing and persuading people by the movements that you make not necessarily what you say does that make some sense to you both and, and tell you enough of my background story so it's a it's a bit strange and a bit weird maybe but hopefully it kind of explains to you why i'm here now it totally, totally explains does. why you're here now so Mark, how did you take this fascination, this expertise that you've built up and turn it into a commercially successful enterprise? Well, I think you you put your finger on it from moment one there by saying, how do you take this fascination? And uh, what what I did and what I continue to do is be absolutely fascinated by my thought leader area, my expert area. I constantly am in a state of of wonder, always. I've never learnt uh, everything. Uh, And that's not really a state of mind. That's just true. There's just so much to learn about human behavior, influence and persuasion, body language, nonverbal communication, that I'm constantly astonished and fascinated by it. And I, and I like to keep that astonishment and fascination. So I think, you know, that's important for people is I'm not sure how anybody's going to get anywhere unless they're totally curious and fascinated by their area. Now, I guess then it's, well, how do you, how do you monetize that? Well, for me, it was about finding that area, that niche, whereby the the fascination and the expertise that I built out of that could be applied to an area in the world that had money, <laughs> essentially. Nice. I, I, you know, I needed to find. I mean, because it's all well and good enjoying it, but but if nobody can support the lifestyle that I want to have and uh, and just some of the fundamentals of life and, and the family that I have, then it, it's really not going to going to work. So uh, what I realized, uh, Nikki and Michael, is that there were people out there, in business especially, who weren't the best communicators they could be. And they were missing this fundamental aspect of the nonverbal. It wasn't that they didn't know what to say or they couldn't, you know, say it, but the underlying body language, the nonverbal story, the physical story underneath it was actually undermining their message. And, and you know what? I was astonished by that. I was astonished at what they didn't know about nonverbal communication. And what was interesting is I knew it. And I knew how simple it would be to turn around their messaging. So really, that's, that's the, the kind of secret source, I guess, to what I did was, you know, I just located people with a real need uh, that could be simply dealt with, and, and also they had money. It was important enough. That's the important thing, Nicky and Michael. It was important enough that they would spend money on it. Does that make sense? That makes sense. One of the things that Michael and I teach is that in picking your ideal target market niche, 
you need to identify three characteristics. Number one, who do you love working with the most? That's really important. You need to love working with people because as Warren Buffett said, life's too short to work with people you don't like. For sure. Number two, who have you been able to make the biggest impact for? So in other words, who are the people? Who is the person that you have been able to make a massive impact so their businesses turn around, their sales have turned around, they've gone from being uh, a tragic speaker to a magic speaker? And number three, who pays you the best? That's really, really, really important because after all, we're good capitalists over here. We don't believe in Karl Marx. We believe in Adam Smith (laughs) and Milton Friedman and those kinds of people. And it's really important that the customers that you work with are able to pay you. And that's really what you're saying, isn't it, Mark? Well, it's absolutely true. And and here's what I I think is interesting about that list that you have. And I, I totally understand that list and I believe in it as well. It's a great Great, simple list. I love what you've done there. And I think there'd be a lot of people out there that would say, hey, you know, you can have one of those, but you can't have all three. Or you can have two, but you can't have all three. Mm. I, I, I think you can have all three of those. I think that the people that you love the most working with can also be the people who you have most impact. And they can be, I've experienced that they can be the people who can support the lifestyle that you want to have as well, support your business. I think it's absolutely possible to find clients that give you every one of those. I'm sure there'll be clients out there that fulfill one or two of those. But I have to say, the the more I'm in this business, the more I'm an entrepreneur and, and, and like yourselves, you know, working these systems and trying to work out how we make business work best, the more I find you can find clients who are all three of those. So I, I love that list. You know what? The people in our industry who don't believe it's possible to have all these three have what we call poor man's mentality or poor woman's mentality. And if you have that, you're never going to be successful in this industry. That's what we believe and we believe in that wholeheartedly. Wouldn't you say that's true? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, for, For sure. I mean, you've got to expect, number one, you've got to go out there with a mindset that suggests that there's the possibility of of the clients being out there with all three of those. And I have to say, uh, the possibility of more as well. I mean, you know, what you've done, which is lovely there, is you've got three points there. You've got a model made up of three points. All models, by the way, are incorrect, but some are really helpful. This is a really helpful model because it's simple. But we've got to think there should be five, six, seven different criterias, eight, a multitude of criterias further on from this that clients f- could fulfill as well. So, you know, even if you, you, you're even limiting yourself if you just think a client could fulfill three of those, it's a useful model, but they could fulfill even more criteria for you. I totally agree. I love it. That's a great inquiry. Mark, I'm really curious in your journey. You've you've spoken about how you essentially found somebody you could make a really big difference for that had the money, uh, that could support your lifestyle, and and that you would you would enjoy working with. And what you know, what in your business? Because you uh, you've you've gone to where you're helping people on a global level. What what were some of the tipping points that helped you go boom to the next level? Yeah, so I think some of the tipping points have mainly been around the brand, the story, 
that I've been telling. Look, there's there's the work, and obviously, the work and the results have to be true, and that you know the, it has to work. If it doesn't work, you know, if the if the training I'm giving people doesn't work then you can't live a lie, essentially. People will find out. So number one, the stuff that I do absolutely works and it gives incredible results. However, that isn't enough necessarily for people to buy into you. They need a brand. They need a story around you. you they need almost you know, the excuse to hire you. <laughs> they need the feeling that it's going to work because they don't know. Yes, they may well have been advised by a by a fellow CEO, hey, you've got to go and work with Mark. He'll make the big difference for you. But they're still going to investigate you. And what they're really going to investigate is the brand around you, the stories around you, and how that makes them feel. The, the, the sense of, uh, I guess, credibility that it creates. So I started very purposefully, and I think this was a tipping point for me, very purposely working on that story of credibility. And by story, I mean, it's not that I'm telling anything which isn't true. I'm just being really specific about what I'm saying and really specific about what I'm not saying. I'm being really clear about the narrative that I'm telling. So I think, you know, Michael, that would be my answer to that is the tipping points for me have been around clarity around the story that I'm telling uh, the customer base. Yeah. And at what point did you write your book? Yeah, so, I, you know, I was, um, the first book that I wrote maybe happened about, I'm going to say about maybe seven years ago or something like that. And look, I would say, first of all, there's no such thing as luck. It's just inevitability that is, you know, traced <laughs> back right. far enough. But but often it's easier to say, hey, I was just lucky. A publisher rang me up and said, we want a book on body language and we think you're the person to write it. And and I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. You've made a great choice. And and off I went <laughs> writing answer. my first book. Great answer. <laughs> so so yeah, exactly. Now look, luck luck traced back far enough is inevitability. So so that's um, right. Luck. You stayed so, in the game long enough. Yeah yeah yeah. Luck traced back far enough. It's inevitability. What I'd been doing before I'd even been asked to write this book was putting out lots of story on my expertise in this area. So essentially, it became inevitable that at some point, somebody was going to call on me for that expertise in written form. So I was kind of ready for it in a in a way. But obviously the book made a huge difference. The book makes, books make it, certainly as a speaker, so one of the things that I do as well as train people all over the world is speak all over the world to um, to sometimes very small audiences. Sometimes it may be, you know, 12 people around a boardroom table. Uh, but just the other day I was in uh, Las Vegas speaking to uh, 4,000 people for Dell computers. So, and that's, you know, I've spoken to up to, I think about 7,000 people at one point. And so, so the book makes a huge difference in terms of the credibility around that. I've got three books now, working on my fourth. Books are quite important, I think, in the in the speaking world around credibility. So for anybody out there who is looking to be a thought leader, it's not essential. Like nothing is essential, uh, I, I think, but it can be really helpful. However, there are other things that can be uh 
just as, as helpful. There's some great speakers out there with some great businesses who don't have any books yet and may never write a book because it, it's just not uh, n- essential to them. Mark, I really like what you said as you delivered us this last answer. You talked about how you took your expertise and you put it in the form of a book. Michael and I just did a program with a man you and I uh, know well, Raymond, uh, Aaron. And Raymond was talking about the importance of repurposing your expertise in various ways. So if you deliver a training program, you can take the basis you can take that training program and have it form the basis of a book. If you've got a book, you can take that book and have it be the basis of a speech. If you've got a speech, you can take that speech and have that speech be the basis of a one-on-one coaching relationship with somebody. You're taking your expertise and repurposing that expertise. It's one of the things that many people in our industry don't understand is how powerful it can be to take your expertise and repurpose it and not put yourself in a box by calling yourself something like a coach or a consultant or a trainer, because that limits you. That is essentially a bit of what you're saying and doing, isn't it? Even though you didn't exactly say those words. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so I'm in the business really of selling expertise, and 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 that's an old way of saying thought leader. I think thought leader is kind of the new way of saying uh, expert. There may be some different delineations, but that's the way I see it, see it. That I'm a, I'm an expert, and in order to be an expert, I'm just thinking about things. Uh, I try and know more than anybody else for a start, but then I'm trying to think about those things in a different way, and from that, create tools and techniques or models. Again, ways that you, as the consumer of my expertise, can then apply it to your world and get spectacular results, uh, which are e- you know easy for you and cost-effective for you. So, the more ways I can package up those those ways of thinking, uh, so that you can apply them, the better it is for you the consumer. So all the time I'm thinking, what are the best ways for me to package this? Or what do I have the skills around in order to package it? I package a lot of my stuff up in video. I'm pretty skilled uh, in that area, though I wasn't necessarily at the start. Uh, I've packaged stuff up in books. I'm pretty skilled now in that area, though I wasn't necessarily at the start. Um, I I do, um, you know, interviews like this. This is another way that I'm packaging the, the, the help that I I have. I'm pretty skilled in this area, though I wasn't at the start. I think one of the things that I think, you know, listeners should really know is that when you're packaging up your ideas for your audience, don't worry about not having the skill to do it. If you wait long enough to have the skill to do something, you'll never get anything done. Uh, When I wrote my first book, the idea was to not write a great book, just write a book. Just a book would be great. Most people don't write a book, so I just wrote a book. I didn't write a great book. It actually turned out to be one of the best sellers in its category ever. <laughs> but fantastic. I, it's got know, a fantastic I didn't go out there title. to write, write sure. that. I just wrote out decided to write a book. I didn't investigate how to write a great book. I just went, I'll do my best. I don't have all the knowledge. So listen, you know, as I said before, don't wait, wait the time it takes to become great at something, just get on and do it. That's all. That's all. Get on with it. Make it happen. You know, you said at the beginning uh, of your answer that thought leader and expert were essentially the same thing. And, and, And there's a powerful definition 
I've gotten of those two terms from one of my mentors, who's also one of Michael's mentors. His name is Matt Church. He's based in Australia. He's the creator of Thought Leaders Global and Thought Leaders Business School. He says an expert is someone who knows something, mm-hmm. but a thought leader, a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing <laughs> something. <laughs> Isn't nice. that a powerful distinction? Yeah, I like that. No, it's really, yeah. really good. And I would say in your case, you're definitely known for knowing something. So you definitely are a thought leader. And what's powerful about how you do what you do is, as you put it, you package your expertise, your thought leadership into all these different methods of delivery. This allows you to reach more people and therefore make money. Can you talk about how this has been commercially smart for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's commercially smart because I I just don't understand any other way that I do it. Uh, I want to reach uh, an international audience and I want to reach an international audience, um, I think, primarily because – I can <laughs> because, nice. because, you know, because I, I have in my mind, like, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I have the world as my, as my market? I think the world deserves the techniques. I want to help people, and I think the world deserves the techniques. And then we come down to it again. I need that world market as well. In order to make the business really work – I have to have that world market. I have to be seen as the world leader in in something because there's a huge advantage in being seen as in the world market and a, and a world leader. There's prestige there. There's credibility there. And so I, I have to be able to package in such a way that more people can get it. Now, you know, I'm one human being. I can only be... Uh, at one place on the planet at a time. And because it's a world market, you know, it it can take me time to get from one place to other, or sometimes it's just not uh, possible, or sometimes it's very expensive. So for example, a couple of days ago, I was in Las Vegas, and then I needed to speak the next morning in Ottawa. And so the clients in Las Vegas had to supply a private jet to get me to to Ottawa. Now, here's what's interesting. It is worth it for them to to put on that jet. I, it's valuable enough for them. It, what's interesting, it, it's not about me. It's about the value of the work. It's not necessarily me that they're buying. I'm supplying the work for that audience. But what they're really seeing is the value of what's delivered. I have to deliver in such a way that a worldwide audience can get that value. And so books and videos and these podcasts, they're absolutely necessary. That's what I'd say. Absolutely necessary. And your book title, I... I do remember I met you when this book was first coming out and you were speaking about it and never from that point forward did I ever think, who would I ever contact if I wanted to learn more about power of body language? I mean, you were the expert embedded into my mind just because of the title of that book, Winning Body Language. I mean, it's a great title and it speaks very loudly to creating a powerful brand statement with a book. Now, you you have the the goods as you mentioned to back that all up 
And that's what I'd like to ask. Let's pimp you for some good advice, <laughs> some, some tips, the, the, the good gold that you give. I'd love to hear what are the big mistakes people are making when it comes to body language? Yeah. So, so, and actually let me put this in the context of, of thought leader as well. You know, if you're going to go out there in the world and you want people to perceive you as a thought leader and you're there live in front of them, or maybe you're on camera in front of them, or maybe even it's a photograph of, of you around something that you have, have written, understand that they're making their judgment about you instantaneously as to whether you should be trusted and whether you have credibility. So here's what I train people in is the body language of trust and credibility. And let me give you the number one um, signal for people around trust and credibility. And I would say that is open palm gestures at exactly navel height. If when you're speaking to an audience, you produce plenty of open palm gestures at navel height, they will be triggered into feeling that you are trustworthy and credible. Now, of course, you have to back that up with the goods or they will be disappointed in you. You mean I can't just stand there with my palms open? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't just, you know, you've got to speak sometime and you've got to have great content. But the thing is, is even if you've got great content, if you hang your hands down by your sides in a kind of limp manner, I'm just doing it now as I'm talking to you right now, We're you'll probably notice you. in the tone of my voice that it's it's gone down and you probably don't feel so excited and engaged with the words that I have for you right now. And, you know, just to let you know, the person that you're listening to now is, uh, you know, voted for by my peers uh, two years running, the number one expert in my field. But how do you feel about that? Are you engaged with me? I mean, it's a factual... I want to sleep right now. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And now what I'm going to do as I talk to you is I'm moving my hands to open palm gestures at exactly navel height, yeah? And now, do you feel engaged with this person? Now let me tell you this. What if I were to tell you, you know what? I'm new to this field, but I'm curious about it and I'm engaged with it and I haven't won any accolades in it yet, but I really want to help you. I really want to help you with your business. Would you buy me over the world expert that you were just hearing? Well, I think on the whole, you probably would. And I've tested this, this on audiences. Yeah. And they go for the newcomer. So, you know, what I want to get across to the audience is, you know, don't necessarily wait for your expertise to come. Make sure you produce the nonverbal behaviors of the thought leader, somebody calm, assertive, credible, and do that with open palm gestures at navel height, and people will always think the best of your content. And then just carry on working on making that content as great as you can. Mark, that's brilliant. That's genius. Michael and I are presenting to an audience of prospective buyers tonight, and I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. Open palm gestures at navel height. Perfect. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, so uh, you know, this is so important to me that I named my company after this idea, which is called the Truth Plane. So, I call the 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 navel height gesture plane, horizontal gesture plane, the truth plane. If you gesture in that plane with open palms, you'll absolutely win that audience over. So what about speakers who speak with their arms raised above their shoulders and, and, and make gestures there? What does that signify? 
Ah, uh, well, so if, if, they're, if the arms are right above the shoulders and actually they're past the head height, this is the area that we call the, the ecstatic plane. So it can be incredibly energetic. It can be, well, uh, as it explains, ecstatic, out of body. Ecstatic, ecstasis is the Greek for to be out of one's body. <laughs> so I so it can it. be, yeah, incredibly energetic. Though, unless you've got a huge audience or a very energetic audience straight off, it can be uh, a bit over the top sometimes. So it's not that there isn't a place for hands right up in the air when you're talking, but you've got to kind of temper that with some lower energy pieces in order that people might be able to really listen to your content rather than be just kind of steamrolled along by it. However, if you've got an audience of, you know, four or 7,000, at some point, you're going to have to go into that ecstatic plane in order to grab their attention because the amount of energy out there can be huge. You have to find a way to, to pull them into you to see that you are the biggest thing in the room at times almost bigger than they are. Mark, what is the worst thing someone could do with their hands when they're presenting? Hmm. So I think, well, I, I'm going to give you a couple of a couple of things because they can both be equally tricky for an audience to deal with. One is just hiding the hands, having them not visible. Our, our primitive brain that that decodes body language, that 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 uh, uses it to predict behaviors. When insufficient data, it'll always default to a negative. So if it can't see something, it's not optimistic. If we can't see your hands, we're not optimistic about you and your message. So that might be your your content, you know, what you're selling to us, your leadership. So I think one of the, the number one mistakes is hiding the hands. People often do that by putting their hands behind their back, by sticking them in pockets, by hanging them down by their sides so they're out of outside our peripheral vision. So I would say on the whole, try and keep your hands visible. Now, the other thing is, is keep those hands predictable as well. What people often say is, oh, I didn't like that speaker because they were fidgeting too much with their hands. You know, normally it's, or they were doing too much. They'll often say they were doing too much with their hands. There isn't really too much you can do with your hands as long as it's predictable. If it's unpredictable, then it signals danger to the primitive brain. And again, we're not optimistic around the idea of unpredictability and danger. So keep your hands visible and keep them predictable. And that, again, will always win you trust and win you credibility. If you keep them in the truth plane at the same time at belly height, even better. That's fantastic. Mark, what about in a one-on-one situation? Imagine you and I are sitting together belly to belly and I'm having a sales conversation with you. What are the do's and don'ts around a one-on-one conversation? Yeah, so I would watch out for elements like proximity. So I want to, the, 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 more, the closer we get, the more likely we'll get to a good deal together because proximity will often start to create create more intimacy and therefore more trust. And we're trying to build trust when we're doing a deal together. But I want to close that proximity at, at a little bit of a slow 
pace for you. I don't want to come in with closing proximity really fast. You know, I don't want to get in your face really fast because that will only create a sense of predator in your mind, risk in your mind. So there's some great ways, great techniques you can use to close proximity in, uh, in, a, in a way which is comfortable for people. And one of them is actually to just use as a point of focus something else other than your conversation. So I might start sketching out with you some ideas for our business together and I might sketch it out on paper. And I might get us to look at that sketch of what we're going to do or what I've written down together. And as I move that towards you and maybe give you the pen and tell you to start sketching some ideas out, during that process, I move closer to you to gain proximity, gain, gain intimacy, gain trust. But I'm not doing it while I've got eye contact with you because that might look a little more aggressive. Does that make does that make sense? Did Makes I describe sense. that well enough? Yeah, absolutely. It's powerful and very valuable. Uh, people, video, there's lots of video. People are shooting video. What do you recommend for people that are shooting videos? Sometimes there's a talking head. You've talked about the truth pain, so I'm gonna I'm making an assumption right now that we need to see those hands, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, watch any um, news anchor when they're first shown. It will be as much of a full body shot as the camera can get, and then it closes in on another shot to close up. You always establish first of all with certainly a you know torso up shot and hands in the truth plane again to win that trust. And you only need a few seconds of that and then you can come in close and because the the trust has been established by seeing more of the body and seeing hands in that truth plane there now you can even do that on a webinar situation just by making sure that you're you're further away from your computer camera first of all and then you come in closer for a, for a, you know later on within the webinar situation you know often people in webinars, they just use the equipment in the way that it's been set up. Their laptop is on a desk, so the camera's looking up their nose very close up, rather than maybe putting the laptop on a box on the table, so it's now at eye height for you, and you sit your chair back further so that now you've got a fuller body shot and you spend maybe the first minute or so talking to your audience with that fuller body shot, shot and then you go, um, hey, you know, let me, let me start with some of this content. And then you bring your chair in closer and scooch forward and now it's a headshot. So there's always ways with whatever technology you've got to get to to build the trust first of all and credibility and then come in closer for that headshot. It's really interesting. It has me thinking in that scenario, if you had a picture of the person full body, you know, a static picture, it's a webinar, static picture that then is it just that the people need to see your body and your hands and that locks it into their brain? Is that the way the psychology is working? Absolutely. Body, hands, and environment, context. In order for me to judge whether I can trust you or not, I need to know what's, what's your torso doing? Where is your center of gravity right now? What are your hands doing? And where are you right now? 
So because that helps me locate you and locate you as to whether you're part of my in group or maybe one of my out group. Are you a member of my community or not? And we often judge that by, you know, where are you sitting? Oh, are you sitting with lots of sports memorabilia and awards? Okay, okay. So you're a member of the high achieving uh, group. Oh, are you sitting with a lot of books? Okay, so you're an intellectual person. Uh, are you sitting in front of a white screen? Oh, you're in it's just a white background. I don't know where you are. Well, now I can't locate you. Mm. So when insufficient data, I default to negatives. Yeah, and now I'm skeptical of you. Because at least even if I weren't part of the high-achieving sports group, at least I can locate you and I can go, hey, you know, maybe not one of my group, but at least I know that now. So now I have more information. Now you can turn around my expectations. But before, in that white background, I had no expectations of you. There's nothing to turn around. I'm in this kind of open sea of, of unknown. And that just feels bad to me, feels uneasy. At least if I knew where to locate you, but I didn't quite agree or I'm not part of that group, at least I know where I am. And that's a better place to start for you to change my mind. Does that make sense? It's, it's fascinating. And uh, thank you for sharing it. it. It's just, it just blows me away. I can see why you're so fascinated in your topic of expertise. It's very valuable. Thank you. Lovely. So Mark, one last question from you sure. around this topic. What about a telephone conversation that there's no video or visual aspect to it? How can your principles be put to use there? Well, look, you know, hopefully I'm doing it now with you guys and the audience that you have right now, because in order to get a sense of my feeling and intention towards you, the audience and the interviewers, you'd normally want to be reading my body language. And at the moment, you can't see anything. So it's difficult for you to trust me because you don't know how to feel and intend around me. You don't know my feeling and intention. So what I'm doing for this uh, talk together, and I do the same on really important phone calls, is I'm standing up and I'm gesturing, actually really quite big. I'm doing some quite large gestures in the truth plane in order to extend my vocal range to get a bigger vocality around my, my feelings and intentions. So hopefully you can feel the positivity and the energy and the and the openness around me even more. So hopefully you should be getting the the nonverbal sonic signals of trust, credibility, energy, passion for my subject because you can't see it. Now here's what I'm going to do now for you guys is I'm just going to sit down and lean back in my chair and not gesture at all. This is actually um, a lot easier for me to have the phone call like like this. It's a lot less energy on on my part. But now, what you know? What are your thoughts and feelings about me, my expertise, how engaged you want to be in this call together? And uh, you know, what's your what's your feelings about me as a as a as a thought leader? Now, my guess is 
this isn't working for me. This so isn't instead, working for me. I, no. think, I think I'd be putting you on one and a half times speed on my podcast. <laughs> at <laughs> least, exact, at least. You know, and that, to be honest, that's just the tonality that naturally comes from me when I sit down in my chair and I relax. But it, it's not useful, I think, for our conversation right now. It's not a good package for my expertise. So again, it comes down to, I'm really thinking about the non-verbal package that I'm delivering my content via. Hope that came across well for you. That came across brilliantly. You know what? I'm standing up now. Normally we're <laughs> sitting down in the studio with the mics at a certain height. So I'm standing up, crouching down low, but my hands are in the truth plane and I'm trying out what you told me and it's working. Yeah, Thank yeah, you, Mark. You hear that difference in tonality there. A hundred percent. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Mark, we like to end every episode by asking our guest, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on to improve their life and their business. Yeah, lovely. So, you know, I, I'm going to go with some things that I've already told you. So that it's going to be reiterative, but, but I think they're really important. Uh, you know, number one for me is if you wait long enough to know how to do something, you will never get it done. So do not think about trying to be expert in everything. You just want to be um, curious about stuff and just get going on it. Get, um, of course, take help and advice, but take help and advice along the way. Always be moving forward. Uh, I was hearing from somebody uh, recently, oh, I think it was uh, Elon Musk actually, um, you know, he was saying that, uh, you know, if, if you're not moving forward, you're retrograde, you're going backwards. There is no standing still anymore. You have to be moving forward or in fact, you will be retrograde and moving backwards. So, you know, don't wait long enough to get good at something, just get going on it. And then my, my other piece of advice would be stick with it. You know, I once asked somebody, uh, they'd got an order of Canada, which is uh, in Canada, it's one of the, the biggest uh, awards that you can get as a- It's as a, a big deal. Yeah, it's a, as a civilian, it's a huge, huge deal. And I said to this person, you know what? I'd quite like one of those. How do I, how do I get one? And the guy turned to me and very coolly said, Mark, just stick with it. And I think that's, that's really important. Stay the course. Many people will fall away. They'll be better than you. They will have all kinds of advantages over you, but they won't stick with it. And in the end, you will be that last person going, and that's what's going to make you the expert. And that's going to make your business is, is you stuck with it. So that's the idea of resilience. And because of that, I'm going to make my third piece about exactly the same thing. Stick with it. You have to keep reminding yourself to stick with it. Don't even say stick with it once to yourself because it's so easy. It's so easy to give up. It's so much less effort if you give up that you must say to yourself several times a day, stick with it, stick with it, keep going, keep going, keep going forward. I hope that's useful advice for you. That is useful advice for me and for Michael. And for the listener, I love it. So Mark, this is the point in the podcast where 
we give you the opportunity to promote something, be it one of your books, be it an upcoming event, to our audience. It's what I like to call pitch time. What have you got? You know what? I, I've got something very, very simple to pitch to everybody there, which is all I want you to do is head over to my website, which is truthplane.com. So that's www.truthplane, T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E, truthplane.com. And please just take a look, spend two, three minutes, take a look around that site. There's lots of video for you to watch. If you want to do some training with me, then uh, hit the online training area and you can go and do some training in there. There's lots of free video in there. What I want you to do is just go there and spend three minutes there having a look around. That's my pitch to you. Go and train for free over at Truthplane. T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E, truthplane.com. Get yourselves over there. You're much too modest. I'm going to pitch a bit for you, shall I? So go, for it. go buy Mark's book, Winning Body Language. Go to the nearest bookstore, Go to Amazon or chaptersindigo.com, order Winning Body Language, read it cover to cover, and begin utilizing its amazing principles in your life. And I'll, I'll say, Mark, I've watched your online training on your website, truthplane.com, and it's incredible that you give it away for free. It, it, yeah. It's an excellent presentation. It's high production quality. You you have another fellow, um, I forget his first name. Stan- Michael, Michael Bungay-Stanier. Michael Bungay-Stanier. Yeah. Excellent content. So everyone li- listening, for you listening right now, go to truthplane.com. It will improve your presentation, your body language, guaranteed. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, Mark Bowden, thank you for being on the show. You are one amazing guest. Oh, listen, thanks, guys, for having me. You know, you're great examples, both of you, of how how you stick with it, you stick with it, you stick with it, and you never give up. You've got a a great podcast here. You get great, great guests on here, and that is really a result of you guys, you know, staying the course, staying with it, and, and giving value every time. So thanks for letting me be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Michael, Mark Bowden. He's fantastic. You know what I like about Mark is he had so much gold to deliver. What he had to share about body language was absolutely incredible. The tips he gave on making sure your hands are around navel height, they were perfect. And you know what? The thing he said about him doing the call while standing up and using his hands to make big gestures. I started to do that. My energy level went up. I felt better. I felt stronger. I felt more engaged. It was incredible. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. And uh, remember back to our podcast with with Anna, who talked about giving, 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 giving. He gives away so much on his website. He's very generous with his knowledge, and that's what makes him valuable to the world. And that's why he has an international customer base and clients all over the world flying him around, sometimes on private jets, to do the work he does. I got to say, you, Mark. I, I was jealous when I heard him say that. I'm like, I want to be flown around on a private jet. Business class and first class are great, but private jets, that's the next level. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It really was great. And it's a great segue, Michael, into this powerful new free tool that we're making available to you, the listener. This tool is called the Market Authority Blueprint. Michael, tell us about it. It's the number one thing that we like to say about it is it's simple. It's 10 things. It's on one page and there's 10 fantastic ways to build authority in the marketplace. 
Absolutely. And I tell you what, Michael, I've got it open in front of me. And one of the 10 steps in this plan, because it's a 10-step plan for building your market authority, is don't call yourself a coach. Why is that important, Michael? Because there's so many of them. And it's, you know, this episode specifically, Mark, I remember the first time I met Mark, he was talking about his book and the title says it all, Winning Body Language. He wasn't a coach. He didn't talk about anything that he did. He helps people win through power of body language. And that's, you know, we have to give people a category as to what we actually do. So yes, he did say at some point that he coaches people, mentors people, speaks, but he didn't lead with that. He led with what expertise he has and how it's valuable to people that have the problem that they're trying to solve. And that's a lot of times we go, well, what do you do? And, And people lead with, oh, I do coaching, which it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. When people say, what do you do? And you talk about, A, maybe it's your the target market that you serve and the problem that you serve. That would be a better way to lead with how you're portraying what it is that you do. What problem do you solve? How do you solve it? Who do you solve it for? So look, here's the deal. Your clients are not buying your time or your expertise as a coach. In fact, they couldn't care less about your credentials. What they care about very much is your ability to solve a real problem that they have and want solved very badly. So if you can make them feel certain, certain that you can solve their problem, they're gonna buy from you and you can charge whatever you like. That's why you don't wanna call yourself a coach. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, listen, how can they get a copy of this amazing download, Michael? Really simple, authorityrocks.com or authority.rocks. Fabulous stuff. Make sure you grab it. It's a simple one-page, 10-step plan that you can follow to turn yourself into the authority in your market niche. That wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. To get all of the show notes and to learn more about today's fabulous guest, you can go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening. 